0: You just heard the 96 take with Taz, Jim Kelly, Devin Peacock. I had a dream last night. I think I need some help interpreting this one. Taz was in it. And my wife got me a Fitbit not too long ago. I used to wear a Fitbit a while ago. And then I kind of stopped. And she got me a new one because I kept taking my blood pressure at home. And she said, no, 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 this this has to stop. You're becoming about this here this will tell you what your pulse is and hopefully that will get your mind off things you have to know me i can i can go a little overboard sometimes on a few things especially health related so your fitbit actually catalogs your sleep i don't know if you've seen it i don't know how accurate it is but it'll break your night down into light sleep rem sleep and deep sleep and of course the rem sleep is where you're dreaming I can actually look back and there's this big, long chunk. I'm talking like 25 minutes when I was in REM sleep last night and the Fitbit kind of charts that out. 25 minutes. That was the dream. The time corresponds perfectly because I know I woke up, I had to pee, I'm getting old. And so the dream was this. I was in Taz's house and he gave me a box And it had an artificial Christmas tree in it. And he told me to go and set up the artificial Christmas tree by the front door. I don't know why. And somehow I lost the box. And I spent the next whatever it was, looks like according to the Fitbit, 20 minutes trying to find the box. And I never, ever did. And then I woke up because I had to pee because I'm getting old. I don't know what it was. I was passing Taz's wife, Uliana, on the stairs. And she was looking for the box with the Christmas tree in it. I was the one who lost it. I didn't want to tell her. It was one of those very stressful dreams. I was looking all over. They had this weird kitchen that was like a maze. And nowhere to be found. This Christmas tree disappeared. So I don't know how to interpret that, or um, if you happen to run across a box with an artificial Christmas tree in it at some point, could you give me a call? I'll return it to Taz. It'll at least make me feel better. Uh, lots to come on the show today. Here's a question that I want to ask right off the bat. There's a great story at globalnews.ca and a 980cfpl.ca. You can Google it right now, and it takes a look at the cost of Raptors tickets For the finals. You know that the Toronto Raptors are headed to the NBA finals. They begin on Thursday. And so Global News is kind of poked around, checking things out. If you would like to go courtside, there is a pair of tickets on StubHub right now for $22,000. That's a little out of my price range. I don't know about you. There's a pair of courtside seats in the end zone on SeatGeek for just under $21,000. The lowest tickets available, $1,800 a piece on SeatGeek or $2,925 on StubHub. And they have also found some other tickets courtside, $30,000. Or $48,000 apiece in the 30th row. That person needs to do some research. That person needs to read and see that, yeah, no, that we're overpriced here. How much would you actually spend to go and see a finals game? I can't help but think this would be a complete disappointment. What are you getting out of it? Well, I was there. Okay, did Joe Carter hit the World Series winning home run? No, it was like game one or game two. Okay, so what happened? Oh, they won. Or, ah, they lost. It's kind of a bummer. And then we left. You paid $30,000 to go, huh? Well, yeah, it's okay. I guess it was neat being there. You'd have to have a lot of money for that. But let's scale it back down. Forget the people who would be able to shell out $30,000 cuz those are also the people who can shell out $30,000 for a lot of other things. What about like 1800 bucks? What about 2925 for a pair of tickets? 2925, $2,925. Could you spend that? Like what if it wound up being 2925 each? That's a vacation for a week. In a nice place for two people. In a really nice place. That's a vacation for a family of four in a nice place. Have you ever spent big time cash and gone to a game? Because if you have, I'd love to know. I'd love to know how you feel about that right now. Because I can't, for the life of me, think that this would be worth it. I can't. What are you going to do? I have this picture. You want to see it? I took it from my seat at game one where they lost, and eh, that was kind of a bummer. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca, or you can tweet me at Stubbs980. i just love to know throughout the course of the show if anyone has done that, or how much you would be willing to pay. How big, how important is this? How vital would this be to actually get there? Uh, Shane says, what will the price of tickets be if it gets to a Game 7? Uh, more, that's all I know. A whole lot more. And Jude actually has an explanation for that dream I was talking about. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, let's say hi to Marilyn. Marilyn, how are you doing?
1: Well, not too bad, thank you. I've got a friend here, a young man watching my windows. Oh, okay. He does a marvelous job. Now, your dream.
0: (laughs) My dream? Can you interpret my dream for me?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, but you might not like it.
0: Well, oh. yeah, I'm, now you've got me intrigued. Marilyn, even if I don't like it, I'm ready to hear whatever it is you think. For anybody who's just joining us, I had a dream last night just to break it down, a big, long dream. I don't know, 20 minutes, my Fitbit says, All where right. I was at Taz's house, and he gave me an artificial Christmas tree and told me to set it up by the door, and I lost the tree. Marilyn, what What does that mean? Well, it, the tree is a dog. <laughs> okay, the, the tree is a dog. All right. I'm I'm with you so far. And uh um the box
1: is your wife. Okay. And you've given your wife a dog for Christmas.
0: Ah, okay. I thought you were going to tell me I'd lost my wife for a second. Oh, she's no, no, okay, no, no. right?
1: No, oh no, okay. she's thr-
0: she's shrilled
1: to pieces. Okay. I'm just teasing, dear. <laughs> I know how much you, you love dogs, and I wouldn't I wouldn't hurt your feelings or anything if I was given a million dollars.
0: Well, <laughs> I appreciate that, Marilyn, and I, I can understand. I, that's that's a good explanation of the dream. Maybe it is the stress over well, not giving my family a dog all these years. I've lost that opportunity to give them a dog.
1: Well, that's it, too. And don't be stressed out, uh, Mike. <laughs> you just go to bed and go to sleep, have, like me. I have a hot cup of Ovaltine, and I have two pieces of cheese bread toasted with peanut butter on. Is it the
0: chocolate Ovaltine? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I take two extra strength uh, um, uh, Tylenols for arthritis.
0: And you sleep deeply and everything's good?
1: Oh, i had some dreams. I really had a dream last night.
0: Did it involve an artificial Christmas tree in any way? Oh,
1: no. No, okay. it's in a Catholic church, and it was absolutely packed. And I was there for some celebration, and I had invited some of my family And my husband was sitting beside me, and it was just packed. People were just standing along the wall. And my mother came in, and she was dressed in mint green, a mint green um, coat and a mint green hat. And she looked just beautiful. And then my sister came in, and she was dressed in a red hat, and I think a tan-colored coat trimmed in red. So that's about it that I remember. It was just pet, and it was either a confirmation or graduation, or something like that. But my dreams are so real, they're in technicolor.
0: Yeah, I I dream in color, too. But you know what, Marilyn? I'm going to take you up on that Ovaltine. I'm going to have some Ovaltine, because that sounds like a much happier dream than the one I had trying to find that darn Christmas tree. Marilyn, that's
1: not so bad. (laughs) I I wouldn't pay no $30,000 for a ticket to go anywhere. No,
0: I would not either. Marilyn, thanks so much for the call. Uh, Okay, bye, dear. Especially not a basketball game. Especially not any sporting event. I don't know. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. How much would you spend? How much have you spent? Has Has anybody spent over 1000 bucks a ticket to get to a game? Is that what a regular season Leaf game goes for these days? I don't even know. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. Okay. Uh, got a couple things here. Shane had said that... Uh, that the, the price of, of Game 7 tickets, I can't even imagine what that will be. Jude says, okay, here's the explanation for your dream. The artificial tree is Dale Hunter, who is going to coach the World Juniors, and Taz is telling you, make sure you don't lose our coach. I could see that. Dale's in my dreams sometimes. I'm usually on a night's road trip, and I've forgotten something at the hotel. Or I can't set up my broadcast equipment, can't do the game. Oh, the dreams. Is your dream to make it to Game 1, Game 2, Game 5, or Game 7 of the NBA Finals? We'll talk more about that and a few other things still to come. On the show today, Steve Plunkett is going to join us. The end of the Fleetwood Country Cruise-In has been unveiled. But you know what I think this gives us an opportunity to do? Not to talk about a sad ending, but to talk about what this event has done. And I don't think we take enough time to appreciate the Plunkett family and some of the colleagues of Steve Plunkett's dad and some of the things that they did, not just to our city, not just to our province, not just for our country, for our world. The number of things that If you go back in history, they are attached to, it'll blow your mind, including one that you won't even expect. Steve and I were talking about this earlier today. It deals with a very, very famous spot on the campus of Western University that wouldn't be there unless Steve Plunkett's father and his friends weren't such big jazz enthusiasts. We'll get to that in less than an hour from now. We are also going to talk about something Josh Morgan said today. On the Craig Needle Show. I thought he said something very intelligent. And this, of course, deals with... We're not allowed to call it downloading, are we? I don't. Know. Somebody needs to have a, a nice little word because we need to sum it up. But what municipalities are going to be looking after. And I got a few thoughts on what is taking place and how it needs to happen. It's not how it's happening right now, but how it needs to happen. And we're also going to meet a whole host of people from Exeter who are doing something absolutely wild that came out of, guess what? A regular old... Run-of-the-mill science class. So that's coming up later on London Live as well. Have you ever gone to a game in which you spent all kinds of money to go to it? Was it worth it? I can't imagine spending hundreds of dollars even, or well over a $1,000 for a ticket to go and see the Raptors play, is going to be worth it. And I'm a huge sports fan. I don't get it. 519-643-2222. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. London Live continues after this. You're listening to Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Off to the phones we go with Richard. Richard. Richard, I haven't had a chance to ask you, when we had Andrew Shear on last week, you had said you didn't know anything about him. Do you feel you know any more about him now? Well, I, I
2: know a little more about him now, but not a whole heck of a lot more. And now that you brought that up, Mike, you know something, right? Your second love is sports next to your family. But I'm going to say one thing. You did one heck of a good job interviewing Andrew Shear.
0: Hey, Well, thank you. And you know what? I've got to extend some credit as well to Devin Peacock because we went over topics and things like that. So this is a real team effort here at 980 CFPL. But one thing Andrew Shear
2: has to do over the next five months, he's got to get himself out there and he's got to make himself um, more known to Canadians across this country. But anyways, having said that... We were talking, right, about spending massive amounts of money on uh, sporting tickets. Well, the highest I've ever gone for a set of tickets myself, Mike, and it wasn't a sporting event, it was a musical event, and the gentleman's name happened to be Stompin' Tom Connors. He came to the Saskatchewan Center of the Arts back in 1997, and my wife really wanted to see Stompin' Tom because he's a great Canadian. Anyways, we spent $300 each on our tickets, and I would have Mike gone as high as $500 each, each right when it came to stomp and tom but other than that right uh mike i would never ever dream even if i had the money to spend you know thousands of dollars right on a ticket for anyone Now, having said that, I want to say one thing about Craig. He said something really intelligent today on uh, Needles on the Record. He came out right, and he said it was an absolutely ridiculous contract that was signed with the beer store. I couldn't agree with you more, Craig, if you're listening to me. But I just want to say one thing. Even though it was a ridiculous contract, it was a legally binding contract. It was a contract that wasn't signed right with a political party. It wasn't a contract that was signed with a particular government. It was signed with the province of Ontario. And if, Doug Ford, if you're listening to me, you said that we are open for business, you're sending that message out to North America. Well, one thing businesses want to know, that when they come to Ontario and they start up a business here, and if they sign a contract with the province, that they want to know that when the next election right comes and and goes, they want to know that that contract right is going to be honoured. So we do not want to be sending out negative messages to businesses across North America. Come to Ontario. And when the next government comes to power, if they don't like the contract, right, that we uh, signed with you, we're just going to automatically cancel it. No, we should honor this ridiculous contract, right, for the next six years, and then after that, right, no more. But having said that, Mike, you know what I would like to see in this province? Instead of corner stores getting um, uh, beer in them, I would like to see off-sales in beverage rooms. Manitoba and Saskatchewan have been doing that for decades, and I believe, right, that that would be a much more safer way. They're already that up for it? There, they have the coolers and everything. The beer is already there. Just allow people right to take a couple of twelve packs with them when they're going home. What do you think, Mike? What's your opinion? Do you think that would be safer than having it in corner stores?
0: Well, I'm I'm with you, Richard. I lived in Alberta for a couple of years, yeah. and they have a very different way of doing things. The Alberta CBO, the the uh, what used to be the uh, the retailer or, or the organization that uh, the arm of the government that. Ran it was long gone by the time I got there and I've often said that's probably the way to go or a hybrid something of a hybrid in order to look after our beer and spirit sales simply because I don't like the kinds of contracts that you and Craig are are talking about and I also don't like the idea that when you break down the numbers from the LCBO it brings in all kinds of money, billions of dollars, but the actual amount of money that actually gets to the government and then is redispersed it doesn't make sense it looks like bad business
2: that's right but you know right on one note though my wife's family did say to me on the phone and they've lived in alberta all their lives they said when king ralph back in 1993 when he privatized it right in alberta even he stopped short of allowing it in corner stores was that correct (sighs)
0: it's a tough call it's a it is a really tough call making it as accessible as the corner stores you know, I I think it's coming. I don't think we're going to stop it because I think our American neighbors have been doing it for so long and around here especially, you get used to seeing that and thinking, well, well why don't we have that aisle in our grocery well, store? Well, if, why don't we
2: have it? Tonight? If that's the case, right, we have to change with the times, then why can't we allow beverage rooms in the province of Ontario to have off-sales?
0: Well, then I think that's part of it. I think you have to include that under the whole umbrella. In Alberta, you can do that. At the end of the night, if you want to buy a 2-4 and leave, yes. you can do it. They call it a flat. You can uh, take it home.
2: That, that I do know, but I always was told, right, that Alberta... They stopped short when it came to allowing corner stores. Mm -hmm. But anyways, like you say, Mike, it's eventually going to come. But like I said, if we're going to open it up, then we have to completely open it up. But like you said there, Craig, I agree with you right when you said it was a ridiculous contract. But at the same time, we have to honor those contracts. You have a good day, Mike.
0: Sends the right message. Richard, thanks so much for the call. We'll be talking more about the Doug Ford government in just about 15 minutes from now. Because I want to go back. Back to something that was actually said on the Craig Needle Show by Josh Morgan. And I want to go back to kind of the, the picture he painted in all of this and how we go about making things work in the province of Ontario. It's a lot like your household and your household chores. And I'll tell you why that is in about 15 minutes from now. Want to get caught up on a couple of emails. Uh, Also a tweet from Andy. Andy says, I can watch the NBA Finals from my living room in 4K, just like being there and the beer's cheaper too. See, I'm with Andy. I don't have to be at a sporting event. That's a different experience. If you're going to a sporting event, it's not to watch the game. It's not to analyze the game. I've never believed that. It is to go through the whole experience of being outside and inside and and being with the fans and cheering and making noise and, if you want, painting your head, all that stuff. Uh, Derek did maybe outline something that would make spending a lot of money make sense, especially in hindsight. hindsight. Uh, Derek says, My dad spent I don't know how much money on tickets that wound up getting us to Game 6 of the World Series in 1993. I was there when Joe Carter hit that World Series-winning home run. Now that my dad is gone, I don't know how much he spent, but I'd pay him back double just for the time that we had and just for the feeling of being there with him. Derek, that sums it up. All right. There's a time when, yeah, it doesn't matter in hindsight, but shelling out 1800 bucks a pop or more? Courtside 30000 forget it. If you're spending 30000 to go courtside, you have it. But if you're saying, you know, we won't do a vacation this year. Instead, we'll go to game one of the Raptors and the Warriors in the finals. That's what we'll do. I don't know if you're going to feel like you got your money's worth at the end of it. That would be, be the equivalent of going somewhere for a vacation, an all-inclusive, that had terrible food, no activities... And the place was empty, and it rained every day. I, that's, that's what I think you're, you're risking in all of it. Email Mike at 980 cfplca We'll take a break. News is next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Still to come, we'll find out some secrets of Alumni Hall. Not intentionally, but there are things about Alumni Hall that you may not know, like how it even got there. Why it's even there. Well, Western put it there. Not quite. Not quite. There's a better backstory to it than that. That's coming up in about a half hour from now on London Live. As we talk with Steve Plunkett, you've probably heard that this is going to be the last year of the Fleetwood Country Cruise in. It's coming up. I think they have their yellow ribbons tied around for Tony Orlando. Do you have to do that to make Tony Orlando come and perform? I wonder. Like, if you don't tie a yellow ribbon around something, is is he just likely to get on the bus and forget about us and head off in another direction. I don't know. I don't I don't know Tony at all. So what we have this year is the 15th and final installment of the Fleetwood Country Cruise in that has become known. So we'll talk with Steve Plunkett about that. We have a number of other things I want to get into something that Josh Morgan said and I want to get into how it impacts the city and the province, and who is handling responsibilities to look after everything. If you look at the way the government works, if you can make it function like a good family, then you've got something that has the potential for great success. And I'll outline how it is that we all have to look at our chores around the house and performing those chores around the house in order to make things work. And if the government would adopt that at both the municipal level and the provincial level, I think we'd be in good shape. We'll touch on that next as London Live continues. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Just got an email from James. One of the things we talked about off the start of the show was the cost of Raptors tickets. If you go to 980cfpl.ca or globalnews.ca, they've outlined some of the prices they found online and even for two run-of-the-mill seats 1800 2900 sports it's too expensive it really is i don't get how people keep spending what they do i don't get how the salaries are what they are james has has sent an email and he basically, I'll paraphrase a little bit, but he talks about sports being insanely priced. And it is. And I keep waiting for the tipping point. I mean, in the last 30 years, we've seen the first $5 million player, the first $6 million man, the first $10 million player. When the Toronto Raptors take on the Golden State Warriors, you realize that they will be playing the highest-paid player this year in the NBA. I don't know what Steph Curry made this year to play in the NBA, and he already has these checks. The money he receives now is a pittance compared to this for winning in the playoffs. You get a couple of dollars. It's a drizzle for these guys. Steph Curry, who, and all marks to him, has transformed the game of basketball. He's changed the game of basketball. The reason that they shoot a lot of three-pointers now? Steph Curry. The reason the teams have changed their offense? Steph Curry. He is that player. He's a generational player. He's changed the game. What did he make this year? I don't know. $15 million? $20 million? $37,457,000. That's for one year. And he's not alone. If you look at the NBA... The top 11 earners made $30 million or more this year. That's a one-year salary. That's broken. And yet somehow it's not. Supply and demand makes it okay. I keep waiting for the tipping point when people will say, I'm not paying that. I'm not spending that kind of money. Forget it. That's too much. But it doesn't come. I don't know what it's going to take. I think there's a tipping point out there somewhere. I thought it would be long before we had somebody making $37,457,154 in a year. I thought it would be way before that. But it hasn't happened. I mean, you look at the dollars and cents that we talk about right now between the province and the municipalities, things have changed. and You may have heard Jacqueline LaBelle talking about this when you heard news about 10 minutes ago. And if you didn't, she'll be talking about it again in about 20 minutes from now. And she'll have all of the details. But it looks at London Mayor Ed Holder and his reaction to the Doug Ford government rolling back some of the things that they had planned to different programs that municipalities were going to have to look after, child care programs, things like ambulance services in 2019, The way that health units were going to be funded. So let's look for a minute at what had taken place. Some municipalities, well, most municipalities, if not all, had already outlined their budgets. And then all of a sudden the province said, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah, you're going to be handling this and this and this. And municipalities went, whoa, uh, yeah, we're going to have to either do that retroactively or reopen our budgets. This This is no good. And now the Doug Ford government has rolled back. So, I guess we give them a pat on the back. But why didn't why didn't they see this the way it was going to play out? Why didn't somebody make a phone call say, "Hey, you know, if we did this, would you be able to handle that immediately?" Municipalities would have said, "No, no way. We can't handle that." Are you kidding? We have our budgets in place. Now, the reason nobody's really tap dancing in all of this is because this is just putting this off. Because this offloading, downloading, re-gifting. I don't know what to call it. It's coming. And we even have heard that we're going to see, what, $6 million more in provincial changes coming to municipal coffers. And I thought Josh Morgan made a really, he said some very intelligent things today, but he made a really good point today talking on the Craig Needles show with Craig Needles about what is taking place here. Let me take you back to one of the things that Josh Morgan said.
3: I can't tell you what all the other municipalities are thinking, but uh, what I can say from my perspective is it's not really saving money for the province when you make changes that municipalities simply pay for. Uh, that's just shifting, uh, shifting the burden from, uh, from income tax and, and sales tax onto property tax. And there's really only one taxpayer at the end of the day. You and I are still going to pay that. We're just going to pay it on a different line on our tax bill. It's going to be on our property taxes. So if the province is truly interested in finding efficiencies um, in the provincial budget, as well as assisting municipalities like London in finding further efficiencies, because we've been doing this since 2015 with an aggressive service review process, and I'm certainly still committed to finding as many more as we possibly can. If that's the goal, then really we have to find ways to achieve that goal that simply isn't passing the cost from one level of government to the other um, and still hitting the taxpayer in the same way.
0: So that is Josh Morgan, London City Councilor from this morning on the Craig Needle Show. Here's how I have to look at this. Because if we can take this into our own lives and shape it up, here's how I see it. If you're looking at the responsibility of handling certain costs, it's no different than in your own house, if you have a family or have had a family in the past, sharing the chores. It's no different. Looking after the cost of ambulance services... To a municipality, to a province, that's, that's a chore. That's a thing that has to be done. We need this. Looking after funding, public health care, that's something we need. That needs to be done. Who's going to handle it? When a house is working the best that it can possibly be, when a family is working in the best way it possibly can, what's happening? Those chores are being done, whether it is the vacuuming, whether it is the laundry, whether it is the, you name it, taking out the trash. All of those things are being done. And when a family is working as well as it can possibly be, nobody is taking credit for things. Nobody is keeping a tally on, well, you know, last three times... I've taken out the trash and you've only taken it out one time in the last month. That's bad. If you ever get into a situation like that, you got to step back and say, okay, why is it it I'm feeling that way? Why is it that I'm all of a sudden doing a tally chart that I have vacuumed four times and everybody in the house as a collective has vacuumed twice? Why am I doing that? Because that's not healthy. The best family, the best household will do those chores and not either take credit or point fingers. That's what needs to happen. And I'm worried in this case that ultimately the provincial government is doing this. Now, they're doing it to save money, yes. But they're doing it to say, look what we did. We have cut ultimately our, whether it's workload or payload in this case, down to this much. Look what we've done for the province of Ontario. And what Josh Morgan was pointing out was, no, 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 no. No, that's not what this is. In his words, the taxpayer is still responsible for this. You're just shifting, okay, that's coming off property tax now, because municipalities don't have a lot of leeway when it comes to making money. What can they do to generate revenue? They can increase property taxes. They can force you to pay more for services. They can cut back on services. Other than that, that's about it. That's all they have. They can't just all of a sudden plant a money tree. We've got a lot of great metal trees around London. None of them have money falling off them. But if you look at it from a household standpoint, I don't want to see what the Ford government is doing if, in fact, they're doing it just to say, see what we've done? We have reduced the deficit. We've reduced the debt. We have reduced the amount of money that we have had to pay out. Yeah, but it's just been offloaded. You haven't changed anything. You haven't improved anything. You're just pointing fingers and taking credit for doing the vacuuming, and for taking out the trash. That's not the way that a household should work. That's not the way that a province should work. Why aren't you getting together and having conversations with municipalities and looking at ways to make things better, To whether it's streamline things? I mean, there doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation happening here, and that's my big concern. I've said all the way along, I don't have a problem with the Doug Ford government yet. I don't have a problem with what they're doing because it's wait and see. We don't know. But the more that I look at things, you know, why are we not looking at the backpedaling on this of the Doug Ford government saying, yeah, municipalities, you're going to have to look after ambulance costs and public health care. And, oh, you've already set your budgets. Mm, Oh, geez. Didn't realize that because we didn't reach out and talk. So we didn't have our communication. So let's backpedal then, and we'll just do it at a later time when you're more ready to do this. You know, it's like the parent that says to the kid, here, you do this. Why? Because I said so. That's bad parenting. It should never be because I said so. That's a power trip. That's not going to get anything done. That's not teaching someone anything. And I'm getting the feeling this is a because I said so moment. And I don't like it. Concerns me. I don't like this backpedaling. It's why nobody is cheering for this right now. We're starting to get a picture. It's still a wait-and-see attitude. But if you're going to look at the way a household works properly, everybody shares in the chores. When there's a crumb on the floor, somebody picks it up and does not grab their tally chart and say, I picked up a crumb. I'm better than everybody else today. It's not the way a household works to its best. It's not the way a province works to its best either. Up next, we're going to talk about a happy thing. The London Knights have announced the amount of money they were able to give through their 50-50. Remember, back months ago, they announced a change. And that change was they were going to go to electronic 50-50. And the idea was to make more money in the 50-50 draw for the charities and everybody involved. And we'll see how that came out we'll have details in a moment you're listening to global news radio 980 CFPL we're going to spend some time looking at ways to generate money we just talked about municipalities and how limited they are in the ways that they can make money they can charge for services user fees they can cut services no fees or no services that saves you money or they can raise property taxes. Well, there are other ways to raise money. We're going to be able to, in about 20 minutes, 15 minutes, somewhere around there, talk with Steve Plunkett about what the Fleetwood Country Cruising has, has done, because it's going into its final year. And we're going to spend some time talking with Steve about his dad. You may think of Steve Plunkett's father as being the man who invented the birth control pill. That's, that typically seems to be the line that he gets. There's a whole lot more to it than that. And we're going to talk about that in 15, 20 minutes from now. Back at the beginning of this year, the London Knights were looking at helping out charities to a greater degree and had looked around and seen electronic 50-50s and the difference that they had made in other communities and decided to implement something like that here in London. And we have an opportunity to find out how things have gone with that because... The numbers are in. And Ryan Starr, the Director of Branding and Communications with the London Knights, joins us. Ryan, thanks for being here. Can you take us back, before even we get to the numbers, can you take us back to how you modified things?
4: Yeah, so at the beginning of the season, we changed over to an electronic-style system. So we had a bunch of sellers around our concourse that had little electronic devices that it made it a lot easier to process tickets. And it wasn't the old uh, 10 bucks for an arm's length. Uh, it was a lot easier to process tickets, make transactions, and at the end of the day, increase the pot that fans were able to walk away with while also increasing the money that we were able to bring in that we could give out to charities at the end of the season.
0: Was there not a yellow jacket or yellow sign somewhere? Yeah,
4: yeah. All the, uh, all the sellers had bright yellow vests, so it was pretty hard to miss them.
0: Yeah. Okay, well then, let's recap how things went. We've now done all of the counting. How'd it work?
4: It actually turned out great. So this year, we raised the most funds that we've ever raised through our fifty fifty program. So this year we raised two hundred and sixty seven thousand one hundred and sixty seven dollars and fifty cents um, and that's just the donations that uh, we gave out so double that for the entire pot size last year our total was just over about two hundred thousand and that was the whole entire pot itself so we more than two and we more than doubled the amount of money that we were able to bring in give out to fans and give out to the community as well I think One of the biggest pots, uh, total pots, I think it was the February 15th game against Erie, it was actually a total pot of over $41,000, <laughs> so the winner got to walk home with twenty grand. So that would have been a nice little Friday uh, Friday night, that's for sure.
0: Not bad. Twenty. If I do the math on that, yeah, a little over $20,000. $20,555. And then the other half of that winds up going into the community. We're talking with Ryan Starr, Director of Branding and Communications with the London Knights, and recapping how the change in the 50-50 this year it worked out. So who winds up getting the money in the community? Take us through how that works.
4: So we have an application process where charities uh, apply on our website through a form and we review every application that we get. And we look to see how the money will benefit the community and who it'll benefit. And then we've selected uh, a fair number of charities that were able to use this pot of money uh, to Distributed amongst our community, so we've partnered with the Children's Health Foundation, Writing, um, Riding, uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, and there's about 30 or 30 plus com- uh, community organizations that we've been able to donate to. So it's it's been great to see how many organizations you know have looked to partner with us, and with this increased revenue fund or with this increased pot amount, we've actually been able to reach more communities than we ever have or community organizations that we ever have while giving them higher donation dollars too.
0: That is amazing. Safe to say this is continuing for 2019-2020?
4: You bet. Hopefully we can make it even bigger and better than than, uh, this year.
0: Ryan, great to see how it worked. Great to see how it helped out in and around this area. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Ryan Starr, Director of Branding and Communications with the London Knights. So well over $250,000 able to be spread around the community thanks to electronic 50-50. See, there are ways to raise money in other spots. Wouldn't it be nice if municipalities in the province could do that? You could just do a number of charity drives and our taxes would just disappear, wouldn't they? Yeah, it probably wouldn't work out very well. Call Steph Curry while he's in Canada. Does he want to donate some of his thirty-seven-plus million-dollar salary this year to help out old Ontario? What do you think? I doubt it. I'm I'm skeptical that he would. We'll look at other money that has been raised in this area, and we'll tell the story of Steve Plunkett's father. That's coming up after two o'clock. News is next. This is Global News Radio nine eighty CFPL. There's been a little fallout already from the Toronto Raptors making the NBA Finals. The fallout is a concert that was due to take place tomorrow night. 21 Pilots was going to actually play at Scotiabank Place. And because of the needs for the league and the load-in and the setup of all of the stuff that they need for the NBA Finals that concert's not going to happen anymore. So nobody looked it's a, it's hard though. I mean, how are you going to look ahead and say, yeah, you know, the the Raptors could make it and then once the NBA comes in and says, "Okay, well, we're going to need this night and this night and then this one and this one." This is kind of that aftermath. So if you do have tickets to go and see 21 Pilots, uh, you can get refunds, or you can get a code for a chance to, I guess, get a credit and purchase tickets to something else at some point. But the show itself is gone. You heard just moments ago about Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg and the fact that they will be summoned to appear before a federal committee when they come to Canada the next time. I don't know if they come to Canada a whole lot. Uh, There was a subpoena order. They were supposed to come before the International Grand Committee on Big Data, Privacy, and Democracy. And they didn't show up. So MPs just today in the House of Commons decided that they would hold a vote. And that vote came out with an order to appear without a time limit and direct the chair of the committee to reconvene the members even if the chamber is not sitting so the next time somebody notices hey did you see mark zuckerberg is going to be speaking at a conference in fort saskatchewan he's going to actually have to come and speak to the house of commons can they forcibly go get him what is this actually doing? This this looks like a power stunt here. I don't, I'm not a fan of this. I'll we'll have to talk to somebody about this to find out what is behind this. Uh, Canadian MPs, and this is a story that's on Global News right now, said the decision was necessary given what Conservative MP Bob Zimmer, the chair of the committee, called an abhorrent decision to ignore a legal order to appear. I guess, but, you know, they've got a a worldwide thing. Are they supposed to go to the country of Lesotho and do similar things? I don't know. This This is, to me, sounding like MPs not really feeling the outstretched reach of their fingers. There's a limit to it. We'll see what comes of it. Probably not a lot. We have had something in our midst for a long time now. And it has been incredibly successful. It has grown from something fairly small into something absolutely massive. It is the Fleetwood Country Cruise. In we talked for a couple, a couple of weeks ago about the fact that it was coming. We looked at some of the acts that have been there, some of the acts that will be there. Now we get word that this is it. Year fifteen will be the final year of the Fleetwood Country. Cruise in, but we have an opportunity to talk about that and maybe maybe paint a better picture of the Plunkett Foundation and the Plunkett family than we might all realize. Because when you hear about the Plunkett family, you hear about Steve Plunkett's father, who was, and this is this is just kind of stating how everybody reads it. He was the inventor of the birth control pill, mm, yeah, kind of, but that the story. That's that's not all of the story. That's that's not a really fair representation. And we'll get to that in just a minute, but let's deal with what we have at hand right now locally. That is heading into the final Fleetwood Country Cruise in on the Plunkett Estate. It's been going for 15 years and joining us right now is Steve Plunkett himself. Steve, it is great to have you back on London Live. How are things
5: Things are busy. Uh, the uh, tent is going up as I speak. The stage is arriving in an hour. The uh, generators are here. Uh, the snow fence is uh, they're putting that up right now the, uh, uh, I've done this so often that the bigger jobs that I do myself, I get them done uh, way in advance, so there's less stress the week of the event so. We're getting there.
0: Good. Tony Orlando is coming, and you mentioned last time we talked, you're tying yellow ribbons around trees. Is that the last part of setting up, or, or has that already been done?
5: Oh, we did that days ago. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's yellow ribbons around the walnut trees down Alveage Drive
0: here right now. Well, that's good to know, because he says in the song, if he doesn't see that yellow ribbon, he'll get on the bus and forget about everything, so he's not going to forget about anything, and you know what, neither are we, but last time we talked, we talked about this being the 15th annual, we looked at the amount of money that you've raised, almost $2 million for local causes, for local charities, and there's a decision in and amongst all of this that you have to know is coming at some point, but you've made it, what is that decision?
5: Uh, sadly, this is going to be the last one I'm going to throw in the towel. It, uh, uh, it, it's fun as it is. And the, the number of friends that I've made in the U S who, the Americans who come up here and the Canadians all across, you know, uh, Ontario, Quebec and the the Western provinces and so on. And it's, it's sad, but, uh, and the music celebrities, I mean, Bo Hopkins called me yesterday to say hi. And, uh, and the, the, the daytime celebrities—they've all become. Uh, many of them have become friends and stayed in touch, and so on. And but it's exhausting. It's two months uh, full time putting it together, uh, both office and physically. And um, uh, we have a house in Concord, we can't get to until after June. I um, and uh, it, it's it's and a lot of money. A lot of dough goes out uh, to putting it together, and. I've done it for 15 years, and uh, it's uh, time to... I haven't waxed a car in 20 years. <laughs> so I'm going to wax a car.
0: Good. Well, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. We're talking with Steve Plunkett, who is getting ready for the Fleetwood Country Cruise. Cruising. It is the 15th that has been done. Steve, as he just said, has made the decision that this will be the final one. How do you make that decision? Does it come at night? Does, does it come? Does it come organically at some point? Just hey, this this is going to be it. Take us through the process.
5: You know, it wasn't overnight. It's been five years uh, considering it, and uh, and uh, it just uh, and then I put it off, and then I do it again, and then and then my weakness is I I, I get. Some people saying how much they've enjoyed it, and uh, and then, and, then, and, then, and that sort of thing, and, and then that encourages me to continue on and and uh, do it again. But uh, it has been a f- kind of a five-year process, and and I think uh, I think it's time to let it go.
0: When you go back to originally coming up with this idea, you've talked about this before. It began as a a much smaller event, <laughs> the fact that it's grown is, as big as it has. What's it been like to watch that?
5: Uh, it's been fun, actually. It's um, uh, it's known all over North America. Been on uh, numerous TV shows and endless YouTube videos. Uh, started with a 60-car get-together and two cases of Coke with uh, Hask, a, a car club here in Canada, historical Auto society of Canada, and I, that was a lot of fun, and and then we went uh, uh I think I skipped a year and then I uh had another put some word the word out and uh the next uh get together was 400 cars and then uh, I thought well you know this is going well we should just do a bit of advertising and and um uh the, the third show was unbelievable we ended up uh I believe holding the largest single uh uh, uh traffic jam in the city's history so <laughs> That's when we went to the uh, charity-driven external parking lot.
0: Steve, we mentioned the almost $2 million, million dollars raised. Some of that I think we've got to pay some attention to right now. Your family has such a a great history in, in medicine and in medical research. The amount of money that you've been able to donate to the London Health Sciences Foundation i'm just kind of ballparking here but over six hundred thousand dollars what's it been like to to see the money go to the places it has
5: well the plunkett foundation is over five million to to everything from london regional cancer center and ivi institute and uh schulitz uh, school of medicine and um dentistry and uh uh and, um, uh oh, uh all kinds ivy uh, i mentioned that um in um, uh, Health, and so on. And then the, the car show is uh, just under $2 million, uh, my estimation, uh, for uh, the end of this coming weekend. So it's been very gratifying. It's, it's like continuing my dad's work, but in all areas of medicine, basically. And uh, so that's been very gratifying to see, see a lot of fundraising going on for local charities.
0: What was it like growing up in your household with your dad doing the research that he was doing?
5: He worked seven days a week. He took Christmas Day off. He had a private practice at UH. UH. uh he, he, was the, he was the guy who brought uh, in vitro fertilization to Canada. Uh, in the early days of that technology, his department at UH, uh, uh had more successes than any other department in North America. And uh he also co invented probably the world's most prescribed hormone replacement therapy, co invented that as well. Uh it was years ago. It was called Prempro, Premer and progesterone, the right combination of that. And uh and uh and uh he was instrumental. He was uh, uh amongst the group of doctors that um basically researched the formula for the birth control pill as well. So so London is a hotbed with, with, with so much great medical talent. And uh, we don't, uh, we don't uh, toot our own horns uh, about that. But uh, there's so much innovation that has come, come through here in London. And uh, my dad was part of that. It was a, that was an era of uh, those pioneering doctors, you know, from the old school doctors. They were just uh, incredible. I didn't even know this. You know, my dad was one of the four doctors. That is responsible for Alumni Hall being built.
4: I, no I didn't idea. know
5: this until I didn't know this until about eight years ago. They were uh, my dad and um, Dr. Walters and Stu Lott, and these are all old doctor names. You know, they were um, they were all jazz. They were all jazz enthusiasts, and uh, they approached Western uh, um, executives and uh, thought, you know, we should have a jazz festival at Western. Because my dad, these guys all went to Western in med school. Anyway, they, um, they uh, got approval, and they ended up having jazz festivals with the Cleveland Philharmonic Orchestra in the old Thames Hall at uh, Western. And, um, uh, and then it was, it was they big, outgrew the Thames Hall in no time. And to make a long story short, they approached Western, and then, and then Western approached um, the province of Ontario, and, um, and uh, they ended up building um, the, uh, the Alumni Hall. And that was, that was how Alumni Hall formulated. These four doctors who were jazz lovers starting a jazz festival at Western.
0: That's phenomenal. And now you look at the number of students who write their final exams on the floor of that, the basketball and volleyball games that are played there. That's, that's astounding.
5: And then the, uh, the entertainment that used to be there was just phenomenal. Johnny Cash and Tom Jones. I've seen all kinds of entertainment there. Did you know there's a rifle range in the basement?
0: <laughs> an existing <laughs> rifle range to this? Why was there a rifle range in the basement? Do you know the story behind that? No, it was, it's in the plans. It's in, uh,
5: the, they, they actually had a rifle range in the basement. I'm, I'm sure they don't use it for that today, but uh, in the beginning it was an actual rifle range. And um, when my grandmother uh, passed away, she, the landlord called me, and um, they had, um, they had, um, uh, he had found boxes of uh, documents and that type of thing. And uh, anyway, one of the items was a pure white, perfect brochure on the grand opening of Alumni Hall. And uh, I, I read this, and I, I was so surprised to see my dad's name in this. I had no idea. And one of the things they talked about was the rifle range in the, in the uh, brochure.
3: Dad.
0: Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> That is unbelievable. Steve, <laughs> uh, we want to thank you for all that you have done with the Fleetwood Country Cruising. There is another one all set to go and the amount of money that you've been able to raise, the people from the Boys and Girls Clubs to all of the other charities and foundations that you've been able to help out, all the people you've been able to help out, its it's been really great. So thanks so much for, for doing what you've done and thanks so much for talking with us about it
5: thank you for the support that's great
0: steve plunkett wow who can we get into the basement can we get a tour i don't think it's something that western university and alumni hall probably talks about much but yeah an old rifle range in the basement of alumni hall and that that was put in place for jazz think about that That's a big spot for jazz. I mean, jazz doesn't have the popularity that it used to. If you look at the Plunkett Foundation, it was set up going back over 20 years now, and it was to honor Steve's father, Earl, and Steve's mother, Corrine, and Steve touched on a couple of things that his father was involved in, but... He was part of the World Health Organization. He was an advisor there. And he was part of the people who helped to create what, as Steve suggested, is the most common form of birth control pill now. But looking at fertility research and infertility clinics, there is so much that came out of that time in London, Ontario. I mean, we hear about fertility clinics all the time now. And they've helped a lot of people who didn't think that they were going to have babies to have babies. A lot of what led to that came from here in London, came from Earl Plunkett, came from Earl Plunkett's associates. It's pretty amazing. I mean... We uh, we almost could we put together a virtual museum at the end of this? I think that's what we need. I think museums need to go way more virtual than they have been. I'm not looking to open a museum, but we've got to round up a lot of the things that have been done. I know we we do have a, a medical museum, which you know I maybe this is why I need to go through it. Maybe that's exactly what I need to do. But there's got to be a way to trumpet this more than it gets trumpeted, don't you think? We'll take a break. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Fleetwood Country Cruising, in case you do want to go, happens this weekend. Starts on Friday at the Plunkett Estate. John, how are things with you this afternoon? Hey,
6: great. How are you today? Not bad. Hey, really interesting uh, listening to that uh, last interview there. I do know Steve, and we went to the same high school together, so there has been a friendship there for quite a while. And I haven't missed one of the, uh, the, the the events he's had over the years. But uh, speaking of the uh, the foundation that he uh, started in uh, honor of his father, um, in the last few years before my mother passed away, she was uh, frequenting the London Cancer, the regional cancer clinic there. And for older folks there, um, there's a type of lift that gets them onto the machine that can give them the radiation and all that there. And that was a very expensive machine, but uh, that car show put the money together to put that in there. You can go to many of the hospitals in town here, and if you look at the boards that uh, you know, show the people that have donated funds for the different uh, wards and equipment in there, you'll see the Plunkett Foundation quite often on various uh, floors of the hospital. The other one, which I'm frequenting right now, I have a little problem with uh, uh, one of my eyes, and they're trying to figure that out. So um, I'm at the IVI clinic, and either you know, St. Joe's or UH IVI clinic or down at the uh, the new, I call it the new Vic You'll see on the walls there a whole lot of uh, thank yous and uh, funds that have been uh, bequeathed to uh, the IVI clinic because of this car show. It's really pumped a whole lot of money in there. Now, I just had uh, lunch with Steve a few days ago. We were talking about this, and I didn't know this. He came up in that interview there about how London is a hot spot for all this technology. He had told me, and I did not know this. I'm getting some MRIs lately, and. Uh, He uh, said that the MRI uh, technology was perfected years ago here in London. It originally came from Britain, but the images were so cloudy you really couldn't make them out uh, that well. But right here at University Hospital is where it was perfected, and we know now MRIs, uh, how many are done a day. As a matter of fact, I'm going for one tonight. They're so busy, I'm going in at 10.30 tonight for an MRI. Yeah, that's just it. But, uh, you know, um, we've just got this... uh, uh, I hate to call it a car show because it's so much more than that, but what it's done for this city, a lot of people don't know about it, and I don't know why they don't know about it, but it's just, as Steve says and in his brochures, it's an extravaganza like no other. There's just so much more than the car show there. It's, uh, there's entertainment for the kids. There's entertainment for the adults. You don't even have to be a car. Uh, uh, an antique car lover but you sure will be when you leave there if you weren't when you got there <laughs> but uh, i think it's just uh, incredible that uh, uh and i'm biased here because i know the man and i have for years but that someone um their place up not only for this weekend but for many other things uh during the year that uh, go on there one of the longest or the um largest dog shows uh, is there, I believe it's in, uh, in later in June or early July, but it's the biggest uh, outdoor dog show in Canada. It's just amazing what goes on out there. And, uh, uh, it's just something a lot of people don't know about, or they've heard about it, but they haven't gone out to check it out. So this being the last one, I hope, I hope everyone goes out there that annually goes out there, but I hope a lot of people that have not gone out there go out this weekend just to see what was going on out there on the first weekend of June. This will be the last one, but just to see what is being going on out there. And all that money, it's $10 a head to get in there. It's next to nothing, and all that money is going to charities. Over the years, uh, it didn't come up in the interview about how much money he has donated to uh, Jesse's Journey, one Mm -hmm. of the big ones that have, uh, maybe I missed that in the interview. No,
0: no, no, but I'm glad you brought it up.
6: Um, But it's an incredible weekend, and if people have the time to go, especially if you haven't been there now, go now so you can say that you were there.
0: Well said. John, thank you. I'm glad you called today. Have a great day. You too. We've got to take a break for news. If you're on hold, please stay on hold. We'll return in a moment with more on London Live. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. I cannot wait until young people run our world. said that a few times. Now, I don't want to hand the keys over to just anybody, but there are a lot of them that will do a better job than most of us are doing right now. We're going to meet some of them in about six and a half minutes from now. You can reach London Live anytime. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can give us a call, 519-643-2222. You can find me on Twitter at Stubbs980. Bob has used the phone. Bob, what's new with you?
7: Hey, Mike. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about last night's hockey game, but I've got to tell you, after uh, hearing Steve speak, that uh, in announcing it's the last, uh, you know, show that he's putting on. Boy, I got a little sad in there. I've been attending that for 10 years. Have you ever been yourself?
0: I have been one time, but I probably should have been more now that I'm realizing this is the last one.
7: Yeah, it, it's an amazing show like it that. It is. Your previous caller covered a lot of, uh, what I was going to say, but you know, I guess the consolation is he still has every Thursday night, uh, from 5 p.m. till dusk, he has a show, uh, going on, you know, you get about two to three hundred cars there every Thursday, so that, that uh, you know, at least something can, you know, salvage something out of this, but, yeah, you know they got the aquatic cars for the kids if you uh, want to bring your kids out there. But uh, I think it was a couple of years ago the show. Uh, I remember he set a record. It was I think it was close to six thousand cars over the weekend that uh, that were, and he has an overflow field, and I think that that was just plump full that year. So it's just amazing, as you know. But for somebody who hasn't been there, and if you're any kind of a, uh, a car buff or interested. You know, you've got to go because you will see, as you know, Mike, every car pretty much ever manufactured around pretty much around the world, really. Uh, And you you know what I like is uh, every year for years now, Gene Winfield, the car customizer out of California, shows up every year and he puts a clinic on on how to work metal. And I think this gentleman now is, I think he's over 90 and it's just amazing to watch this guy still have the passion and the work that he can do old school. Uh, it, it, it's just amazing. Like, it, the, these are the guys who started it all back then, right? The customizing of the cars that we all became familiar with. Like, even a lot of those uh, TV shows, like The Monsters and The Monkeys and right. that kind of thing, right? But, uh, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, I would, you know, just urge people to get out there uh, this weekend, especially the last show, for 10 bucks you won't regret it there's food there's uh all kinds of um, uh, uh, well, we have, uh, people you know selling things at booths or what have you vendors and that type of thing so
0: how great is it that Steve calls it the largest traffic jam in southwestern ontario it, it is actually you know <laughs> what i know
7: when i go mike uh i get up i'm there uh down um on uh, Road in alviage and if you're not there by five thirty in the morning the lineup starts and it goes all the way back up to Oxford. And so that's if you want to get in there early and pick a good spot, maybe under a nice shady tree with your car, uh you gotta get there about uh, like I'd say latest at five thirty, six at the very latest. But even after that like uh it fills up so quick. And I know there's two entrances that you can get to, um there's uh, I guess a north uh east and the west entrance. So one off Westel uh, uh what is it uh, Westelbourne? Westel, yeah. And then uh, there's one coming the other way from Kamoka. There's a sign he puts up as sort of the backway entrance. And sometimes that's the better one. Not a lot of people are aware of that, but I guess they are now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, cherish it and enjoy yourself this weekend. I know you'll probably be headed there, Bob, and we'll see how your Bruins do tomorrow night. We're going to hear, actually, from former Bruin Jim Lorenz, who was part of the 1970 team that won the Stanley Cup tomorrow on the show before the game. So, Bob, we'll have that for you. He's a big Bruins fan. Bruins are up one game to none on the St. Louis Blues after a big comeback last night. If you're looking to cheer, you can either join Bob's bandwagon or you can't knock the London connections. You know the London connections to the St. Louis Blues. You have Londoner Mike Van Ryan, who's an assistant coach. You have former Knight Tim Taylor, who's the assistant GM. You have former Knights Robert Thomas, Patrick Maroon, and Michael DelZotto, who are playing on the team as well. Pretty amazing. And right now, one game to none for the Boston Bruins. The Raptors begin on Thursday. If you've ever spent over $1,000 a ticket and gone to a game, let me know. Let me know if it was worth it after the fact. I think we spelled it out when we were talking about this about an hour and a half ago when Derek finished it off, talking about his dad spending, he didn't even know how much, to get tickets to go and see the 1993 World Series Game 6 when Joe Carter hit the home run to win the World Series. And Derek pointed out that now that his dad is gone, didn't matter how much he spent. So maybe that's how you have to look at it. Up next, we're going to meet some of the brightest young minds going forward. Can't wait till they run our world. A science class has turned into something that just will not stop spreading. We'll talk with a science teacher and three students coming up next. And they are from South Huron District High School. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. So I had to get gas this morning. And I happened to find gas for $1.14 in the morning, which is rare. As Dan McTagg always points out for gas, from gasbuddy.com, never fill up in the morning. You'll find it cheaper later on. So I don't know. Am I gonna drive home and it'll be a buck six? I don't think so. Found it for a buck fourteen. But as I pulled into the pumps, you know what popped into my mind? I haven't changed one iota of driving habit. Because of the carbon tax. I'm not doing anything differently. And that's why I don't like things like that. Because they're really, they're not forcing us into anything. If the carbon tax was going to force us into something, if the government was going to be serious about making a difference and helping the world, and I always go back to my theory of leaves on a lawn... You can rake up your leaves, but if everybody else on your street does not rake theirs, when the wind blows, your lawn's going to be covered in leaves again. And that's how I feel about how we're looking after this planet. Unless everybody gets on board at the same time, you can rake your leaves, you can do your part, you'll feel good about that, but in the end, how much of a difference is it actually going to make? Some of your leaves won't blow down the street. It's not going to make the ultimate difference. It's not going to change enough. And in pulling into the pump and thinking like that, I thought I haven't changed anything. I'm not driving less. I'm driving as much as I need to. But it's not like I'm taking my bike and going and buying groceries. My wife and I walk a lot, but that's for our health. That has nothing to do with our carbon footprint. The thing that needs to change is the attitude. And a lot of us are probably too far gone for that attitude actually to have a shot at changing and maybe the toughest thing is the younger generation that's coming up. It might be too late for them, but their attitudes are changing. And when you hear from them, you realize that and you realize more of these people need to be in charge because they would get things done. They would throw a carbon tax at us of 30 cents a liter. They would force the hand of individuals to make a change. To make a difference. I firmly believe that. I hope it's not too late. Once they get their hands on the reins. Here is a great example of that. Let's go now to South Huron. District High School. Where we are going to find three students. Shay McCann. Kayla Orr. And Carleen Craig. And their teacher. Amanda Keller. Who took a science class. And now has gone about creating something. That doesn't seem to want to stop. This is having incredibly far reach. Please welcome to the show, Carlene, Kayla, Shay, and their teacher, Amanda Keller. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Maybe you can begin with how what you have created, which is Eco Exeter, even got going.
8: I think it started with all of the, we see all of the single use plastics and the problems in the news right now, especially with. All of the shipping containers being sent to Asia and being returned. And so we have a unit in the grade nine science curriculum called Sustainable Ecosystems. And we talked about with the class how we actually wanted to do something about single use plastics and our sustainable, and having a sustainable environment rather than just talk about it.
0: Now that's just it. As a teacher, you could have easily said, okay, here's a textbook, or look, let's watch this video, or let's have this conversation. How do you get from that to say, no, no, we can actually impact our own world? We can go outside the classroom walls. How did you do that?
8: I think the amazing thing, too, now is with media and social media, we just put a couple of feelers out there to see who has done things like this before. And Blue Bayfield was uh, a group that started in Bayfield who has done some amazing um, things as far as getting the village of Bayfield to become plastic-free. So that was our first. uh, We reached out to them. And our partnership with them has really made everything else spiral.
0: Shay, you were one of the people who helped to reach out in all of this. Tell us about making contact with Blue Bayfield.
9: Oh, we kind of heard about it, and we, didn't, we weren't really sure of what they were doing. And so we decided to do some research up about it, and we actually found contact with them. And Ms. Keller, she met with them and kind of discussed the plan of attack, of how we're going to meet with them and see what they have done.
0: So they have made some changes to their community. What was it like learning about that? Was it something you said, hey, I'd, I'd like to do this, or, or how did you feel about it when you learned about it?
9: Yeah, it was something that we wanted to bring back to Exeter to try to help the environment a little bit and try to spread it around Ontario and the different communities.
0: What was it like being able to do this from your classroom as opposed to just learning something, waiting for the test to arrive, and writing the test?
9: It's definitely something that we can probably fundraise and actually have other people involved.
0: Kayla, maybe you can let us know what you are currently doing because you've, you've kicked this off. So what's happening now?
10: We have been selling uh, reusable produce bags and stainless steel straws. The reusable produce bags comes in like three different sizes, and we are selling them on School Cash Online, which is accessible by the parents.
0: And how's Our that school? been how has that been going? Have you had a decent response? Are you hoping for a better response are you are you blown away by the response?
10: We have sold about we have a profit of about three hundred and fifty dollars from the produce bag so far, which is pretty good
0: yeah, that's amazing okay, and you're also selling reusable straws for anyone who hasn't seen a reusable straw. what's it look like
10: um they're like they're just metal straws. Stainless steel straws.
0: And is this something that you've now chosen to use day after day whenever you need a straw? Yep. And how has the, the sale of the straws gone?
10: Good. We are hoping to get more in the future.
0: Okay, but this is kicked off. How has it been for you being involved in something that you've now turned into more than just science class?
10: It's interesting to see the response of the community and how people have pitched in, and now it's growing bigger and bigger.
0: We are talking with Shane McCann. We are talking with Kayla Orr, and we're about to be talking with Carlene Craig, all from South Huron District High School in Exeter, about science class, taking a step outside the classroom. Carlene, thanks for being here. Can you tell us what you guys are doing next?
9: So our next steps are on May 31st, we are presenting at the Climate Change Forum in Clinton to talk to different businesses on what ideas we have to make Exeter more eco and present our ideas, and they can give us feedback on what else we can do. And on June 3rd, we are presenting to South Huron Town um, Council on ways that we can make Exeter a more eco-friendly place and ways that we can fundraise and maybe put different things around Exeter.
0: Man, this is is getting massive.
9: (laughs) Yes, it is. And on June 6th, we are going back to Bayfield with 90 students this time to share ideas with Mitchell District High School, and we can also... Um, get feedback from them on how to make this bigger and better.
0: What's it been like for you to be involved in this?
9: Um, it's been pretty great. Um, so I know that I'm making an impact on Exeter and making Exeter a better place and more eco-friendly.
0: Man, this, this is fantastic. Well, Carleen, congratulations. Thank you for this. Amanda, you have some phenomenal students. This thing has taken off. Did you envision that it could do what it's done, or or has this just been fun to watch?
8: Um, it's been super fun to watch. I think some of the exciting things are we made a post on our initial like our Facebook page that we created called Eco Exeter. and it was just a post of all of our students' pictures holding a saying about how we're not asking everyone to go completely waste-free, we're just asking for millions of people to make small changes in order to make a difference. And that post has spread virally, so just on our page alone it's up to 25,000 views and I think 200 shares. And then other apps, such as um, Random Acts of Green, have also shared it. Um, The Zero Waste Chef has shared it. And then we also saw it posted on CBC Waves of Change. So that's been really exciting to see that the community is on board with this. I think everybody is ready to make some changes. And they just needed um, a group like this to say, "Let's, let's do
0: it. What do you think your students are getting out of this?
8: I think... It's interesting to see because not only we're we're doing the curriculum that we are supposed to be doing, but also they can see that they're actually making a difference in their own communities. A lot of students that uh, go to Exeter High School are also from small communities surrounding the area as far as Grand Bend. So it also then goes back to those small communities as well.
0: Well, congratulations on the initiative. And uh, I can't wait until everybody in your class is running our world.
8: Yeah, I'm excited too, and we're not, we're not going to stop um, at the end of June either. For grade nine, a lot of these students are then have grade ten in the fall. Um, we've also been applying for some student led initiative grants, so we're hoping that those will come through in the fall, and we'll just keep making this even bigger.
0: Outstanding. Well, keep up the good work.
8: Okay, thanks very much,
0: Amanda Keller, teacher at South Huron District High School in Exeter. They've created Eco Exeter, but see what I mean by the attitude. That's the thing that is coming up with the younger generation that we'll never be able to truly appreciate. I really believe that. Fortunately, they can. Shay McCann, Kayla Orr, and Carleen Craig also joining us. Congratulations on what they are up to. We will close out the show in just a moment. Got a note from Joe on being offered money for tickets and turning that offer down. We'll finish with that story. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We started the show asking how much you would spend to go and see something like the NBA Finals featuring the Toronto Raptors. Got a great note from Derek about going with his dad, how he didn't know what his dad had paid in 1993. Didn't matter now. Would have paid anything. Joe says, never paid that much for tickets, but in 92, Jays versus Atlanta. Took my son to a World Series game. Outside, someone offered me 900 for the pair. Turned him down. Don't regret it. A World Series game with my son is priceless. That says it. We're out of time. Thanks to Matt McKinnis London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. News is next with Jacqueline LaBelle. Tomorrow, Jim Lorenz and more. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.